Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 and KSTE.com. Here is Fred Hoffman. Well, happy Sunday morning to you. Welcome to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Farmer Fred here, Fred Hoffman, UC Cooperative Extension Master Gardener, garden columnist with the Lodi News Sentinel, the guy that does all the typing at FarmerFred.com, all the ranting at the Farmer Fred Rant blog page at Twitter.com slash tips. lots of snark and retweets and worries and things like that. And the Get Growing with Farmer Fred Facebook page where there's always a garden dialogue going on. And by the way, if you go to the KFBK Facebook page and click on the video link, you can see Baldo pruning a rose from a half hour ago. Yeah, he did a fantastic job. <laughs> Although uh, B- Baldo's here, Baldo Viegas, Charlotte Owendike is also here from the uh, Sierra Foothills Rose Society. We're going to be talking roses today. And Charlotte, you're the only one that looked good on TV. Ah, that's so. Thank you for that. Oh well, a, a smile goes a long way. Yes, it does. But Baldo did a fabulous job too. Yes, he did. Rose. So well, he, he gets a lot of practice with his three thousand yeah, roses. That's right, three thousand roses uh, that Baldo you you acquired. How many? You retired from the state of California. You were a state entomologist for decades. You retired 30, from thirty-five the, years. Thirty-five years. You retired from the state. When you retired from the state, how many roses did you have? Uh, about uh, 800. 800. Yeah. And now you have? About 3,000. 3,000. Plus or minus. <laughs> Plus or minus, uh, I would say at least 500. More like, more like between three and 4,000. <laughs> it's rose pruning time, Baldo. What are you doing here? <laughs> well, he got a gang of us working at his place on I his got 12 hot people grotto. yesterday. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's and, and you know, you can follow Baldo on Facebook too and uh, he posted a video of all the people out working in his yard yesterday uh pruning roses. Great yes. job. Now, we should point out that uh, pruning roses is going to happen uh, next Saturday at the Sierra Foothills Rose Society's winter workshop. Correct. And Charlotte, what's uh, what what all is going on there well, at the Mindu Community Center? It's at Mindu Community Center in Rose in Roseville, and that's um, off of uh, uh, Rocky Ridge and, and uh, Douglas. And uh, it goes from eight thirty to about one thirty. And uh, we talk about pruning tools, what, what the pros and cons. There's a couple different. There's uh, different types of pruners, and we want you to get the right kind. Mm-hmm. And we show you how to sharpen your tools. We give you um, pruning demonstrations. We we talk about before we even, and we talk about the basic um, principles of pruning. And we try to make it a. We try to keep it simple. Because, you know, in the years past, people made it all as complicated. It's not. When you have 3,000 roses, you want to make it as simple as possible. And Baldo will show you how to print a rose in three minutes or less. And you're going to show people which roses to plant. That's right. Um, um, I, I haven't met a rose uh, there's some roses I don't care for, but I have I have lots of good roses. I have over 350 roses in my garden, and I take lots of pictures. And um, I have a little a PowerPoint presentation that shows some of the our favorite roses. Uh, we uh, like to recommend roses that are newer introductions because they're more uh, disease resistant. Uh, some of them are really good bloomers. Um, you know. They are just very, very good roses. Uh, oh my, for example, is a good rose. Uh, we have, yeah, Dick Clark. There's um, 
I love hot cocoa. There's And so those are the, we show you what, what those roses look like in the landscape and talk about the merits of those roses. All right. So that'll be a, a nice little visual right. next Saturday. Right. Where you can see landscape roses. And we try to answer any and every question that comes aboard. So Baldo's there to answer a lot of questions on diseases and, ro- uh, and pests and roses. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of us have dealt with them all. We all, we are all basically a no spray gardens and we talk about how to manage those type of gardens what to do baldo what i find interesting when when charlotte says no spray is in a lot of situations to avoid disease that includes water that you don't want water on the leaves oh yeah uh if you have water in the at the wrong time of the year you can uh, you can get uh, diseases uh, like black spot uh, and uh, botrytis very very easily on uh, on the foliage especially and uh and on the blooms for botrytis. What is the wrong time of year? Um, when the weather is favorable for those diseases. Cool. Uh, yeah. Cool and damp. So, so spring. In, so in the spring, yeah. you know, if you start wetting the uh, the foliage, uh, especially uh, at night, or uh, you know when uh, when the if if the the water stays on the foliage for more than seven hours, you're going to get in trouble with uh, with fungi. Now, fortunately, here in where we are in California, we don't have too much of a problem with high overnight humidities that uh, the eastern oh, the east, sectors in the Midwest have. Yeah, the East Coast has a tremendous problem with black spot. Yeah, That's the a lot m- of disease pressure. Yes. Yeah. And so here it's just a matter of maybe redirecting your lawn sprinklers not to be spraying the rose bushes yes. as well. Drip irrigation is, uh, is great. And then during the day you can, uh, you can wash the foliage uh, uh, with water. But uh, what I do is uh, if I see that there's a lot of dust on my roses during the day, then I use, uh, use a spray water to, to, uh, to uh, or, or whenever I see aphids on the, on, the bloom, on the stems, I just blast them with water. And we I do that during the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not like mid-morning or? Mid-morning. Uh, yeah. uh, not in the evening. Uh, because then that water is going to stay on the foliage for a long period of time. Unless you have a delta breeze. <laughs> You're right. So... Uh, so I try to, uh, not to wet the foliage uh, in the evening or when the disease is, is, uh, is going to take off. What are some of the insects that are most prevalent in Sacramento roses? Um, you know, the most common, uh, I would say by far, is in the months of um, uh, April and May and into June, and that's the Hoplia beetles. H-O-P-L-I-A. Yes, Hoplia. Yeah. And uh, uh, some, a lot of people mistake them for Japanese beetles. Um, but, uh, you know, they're native insects. Uh, they're native to, uh, to California, and then, you know, they go oh. up into um, uh, Oregon and Washington. Uh, and this, uh, you know, I don't spray for them. I just kind of pick them off, and then I just kind of toss them into um, a bucket of, uh, uh, of soapy water. And, um, you know, that's what I do if, I, if it really bothers me. <laughs> but because I don't spray, I have a lot of birds that uh, take care of the problem. What sort of damage do the hoplia beetles do? So well, mostly to the flower? It's a chewing insect. Yeah. So the, um, the beetles land on the, on the, on, on the flowers, and then they, they, they feel on the petals. So they leave a lacy appearance on the petals. Mm. 
Um, How big is the Hoplia beetle? Uh, about a, uh, I would say about uh, three-eighths of an inch. So pretty small. When yes. people think of beetles, they may be thinking of uh, beetles. A lot, of, a lot of times squash bugs are confused with beetles, and so they may be thinking of something about that size. Yeah. But th- th- this is about half that size. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, smaller than a Japanese beetle. Well, I'm glad I've never seen one. <laughs> and of course, the Japanese beetles have metallic green on the fo- on the uh, underside of the of the body. Not to be confused with the uh, green fruit beetle. Yeah, the fruit beetle is more like a three quarters of an inch to an inch uh, big or bigger. Yes, depending on the species. And loud when it flies. Oh yes, yes, yes. yes. And uh, it has more metallic on it, and it has those green. Uh, uh, green and brown uh, uh, elytra or green covers. Is there a color of rose that the hoplia beetle is attracted to more than another? Yes, uh, they are attracted mainly to white flowers. And it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what, the, uh, what kind of flowers they are as long as they're white. Uh, strawberries, uh, they are pesting strawberries. They are pesting um, anything that has white flowers. Is attracted to those um, uh, hoplia beetles, much like or the li- Japanese beetle. Um, Aren't they attracted to white flowers as well? Yeah, but Japanese beetles—they—they they feed a lot on the foliage. Yeah, yeah uh, and as well as the uh, the blooms. But um, Japanese beetles can be attracted to anything that's green. All right. Yeah. So uh, besides the hoplia beetle, of course, there's aphids, as you pointed out, can be controlled with a blast of water. Aphids uh, are a problem mainly from uh, March and April. But the beauty about, uh, about this is that uh, we have some beneficial insects mm-hmm. that come in generally by the middle of um, or, to, or late uh, March, you know, the uh, soldier beetle is the one that uh, to me is the, is the silver bullet. And it comes in, and boy, just in two weeks, cleans up the aphids. In all the talks that you do around the Sacramento area, throughout the state, throughout the country, for that matter, when you're talking about beneficial insects, it always uh, pays. I've noticed when you're giving that those demonstrations that you're showing what the adult looks like, but also what the teenage uh, versions look like and what the eggs look like, too, because you right. don't want to mistake them for a bad guy. Yes, in my job with the state, I was uh, I, I did uh, uh, I work in biological control of uh, insects and weeds. So uh, as a result of that, I, I transferred that knowledge into my garden, and uh, I develop uh, uh, powerpoints on uh, on pests and diseases as well as beneficial insects. And one of the things that I try to do is I try to show the public what the mature stages look like from the egg mm-hmm. all the way into into the adult. A good place where you can see all the stages of beneficial insects, uh, as well as uh, the bad guys as well. Uh, the University of California Integrated Pest Management Program uh, has those available online at uh, UCIPM. Actually, it's ucanr.ucdavis.edu, where you can uh, find a lot of those. And also at the farmerfred.com page, a lot of links uh, to pictures of beneficial insects. We have to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk to you two about the best roses for Sacramento, in particular the best red roses for Sacramento. Okay? You, you, All right. You can we buy can do that. List? All right. We, got, okay. we, we were talking about that earlier yeah. today. Hey, look, Mike Murray's running the board today. He likes working on Sundays. Good for you, Mike. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll find out the best red roses for our area. You're listening to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. 
Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. With Baldo Viegas and Charlotte Owendyke from the Sierra Foothills Rose Society. Answering your gardening questions, especially your rose questions and bug questions as well. The number is to call in 576-1578 here in the 916. Outside the area, 866-331-8255. Email, send it to fred at farmerfred.com a little bit later on. We're going to have a contest, a garden grappler question. So we'll be doing that uh, in about a half hour or so here on Get Growing. But since I have Baldo and Charlotte here from the Sierra Foothills Rose Society, I got to ask you, I I love red roses. Most men do. Uh, uh, I haven't met a most gentlemen. There's something about red that just draws them in. And they invariably ask, what's a good red rose? And some say, well, I want a fragrant red rose. Well, one of the first ones we, we always recommend is Firefighter. Firefighter? Okay. Yes. Now, is this a hybrid tea rose? It's a hybrid tea rose. Yeah. And it's a, it's a great uh, red rose, and it, it has, it's fragrant. And it's named after the firefighters in 9-11. And so. it has those uh, long stems. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a pretty, uh, it's a, it puts out a lot of bloom, so yes. it's a good rose. There's and another rose that I love that also fragrant is, um, but not as fragrant as firefighter, and that's rock and roll. Rock and roll? Yeah. Rock okay. And, roll. and that's a red rose? It's red. It's a striped rose. Mm-hmm. Yes. Red and white. Red and, and green. In my garden, it just blooms and blooms and blooms. And it's yeah. very, very healthy. I, it's one of yeah. my favorites also. Yeah. You know, we, we have Fourth of July is another striped one. It's oh, a climber. I, yeah. And it's stunning. Everybody... You know, you can't help notice that rose, and it's a very attractive rose. And it's a constant bloomer. can take our heat very well. It just blooms all summer long. In the past, the big sellers have been uh, roses like uh, Olympiad. That's a very good rose still, yes. Okay. Olympiad is still uh, one of our favorite roses. Yes. For yes. red rose. All but right, right yep. now, uh, Veterans Honor and uh, Always and Forever are uh, among our favorites. And those are newer introductions, so they're, you know, um, they are, they generally have a, a little higher disease resistance than some of the older uh, red roses. Oh, my, is a floribunda that just doesn't know how to stop. Oh, long. my? You mean like Dick Engberg? Oh, my? Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. my. Yeah, right. it's, a, okay. it's, a, it's a very, very good rose. But Baldo, you had a, you had one that was eight feet tall and a spray that was mega. Oh, yes. So it w- I... I tell you, when I when I saw that thing in my garden, I went. I texted uh, the hybridizer, who's a very good friend of ours, uh, Chris, uh, Christian Bedard, and I said, "You got a." I told him, "You have a winner here, in my garden. This is one of the best roses I've gotten in the last uh, five years." But another rose that is fantastic for my garden is called Betty Boop. Betty Boop. Oh, Betty that's Boop. your favorite rose. That's, <laughs> that's my favorite rose. You know, I gave that that one a ten when it first came out. Oh, what he's referring to when he says ten. Um, if you're a rosarian, you're asked to um, look at roses and rate them, and we rate them from one to ten, and ten is the very best. Wow. So that's that's high praise. Mm-hmm. All right, Betty Boop. Now, it, sometimes when you go, if you now don't get mad, Baldo, but sometimes if you are going to a store not usually known for its fine selection of plants, uh, they may have roses in this time of year, and usually it's their old standbys like Mr. Lincoln 
or Chrysler Imperial or things like that. I stay away from those roses. In fact, I don't have any of those roses. I don't in my either, because they're diseased buckets. <laughs> diseased I mean, buckets. <laughs> I mean, the the only thing that uh, those things are good for is fragrance, but. Forget about any foliage because as soon as uh, the uh, spring weather comes along, they're going to have every disease that you can think of. And they, they're going to have uh, rust, they're going to have black spot, and they're going to have powdery mildew. Double Delight and Mr. Lincoln and some of the other older roses like that are just rust buckets. Yeah. yeah. I, Baldo, I want to give you the opportunity to go on your annual rant about the availability of truly bare root roses because ro- <laughs> roses Body bags <laughs> yeah, roses now basically are in plastic bags right the, it's hard to find a nursery where they are plunged into sawdust and you go out and you pick one out of the sawdust and wrap it in newspaper and take it home yes uh, <laughs> you know we call them body bags <laughs> Because most of the time, those things have been, you know, the roots have been trimmed to just uh, uh, just very short uh, knobs. And uh, I just I stay away from those, especially those that have been waxed. You know, the, in other words, the, um, what the growers do is that they take the, uh, they dip those roses, the stems of those roses in wax. And then for our, in, in our area, um, the wax just kind of fries those stems. And uh, I tried, um, believe me, for the last couple of years, I tried uh, growing those roses in my garden. Um, and I have, I have not been very successful. But for the 99% of us who are going to be buying roses that way, since the availability of truly bare root roses is what, Reagan's Nursery? <laughs> is that the last one? Well, you know, in our area... Um, There's nobody. I've, Isley's. Is, it, is Isley's Tavis? Well, um, no. no, no. The only place that has true bedroot roses is Reagan's Nursery in uh, in uh, uh, Fremont. In Fremont. Yes. And I usually We're not say, going to Fremont, Paul. Well, I usually do. Yeah, I know you do. Yes. I have a grandson in San Francisco, so I take the, you know, the long way up right. over to San Francisco. That's right. You are. Yeah. <laughs> it's one year old to, uh, in a couple of days. All right. There you go. Yeah. You think that would be a good reason to maybe limit your rose selection to spend more time with him. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've been mm-hmm. spending a lot of time in San Francisco. Good for you. All right. So for those of us, the 99% of us that will be buying roses <laughs> in body bags, as you put it, how do you properly plant them or take care of them if, if that wax situation and, and shortened root situation is there and unavoidable? Our better nurseries, they uh, they get bare root roses from the growers, and then they pot them up for you. Oh, okay. And then you can purchase those. We might, we recommend that you buy those. That's a much better deal because you, we want you to be successful with roses. Who around here sells potted roses that way? Um, Isley's does. Green Acres does. <laughs> okay. Um, um, uh, the, yeah, Green Acres uh, last year had some fantastic roses from uh, Weeks Roses. Yes. Okay, that but, would be the uh, way to go. Yeah, yeah. that's and that's the way to go. I went over there and I bought a whole bunch of them. 
Oh, I I bought because, I I looked around and I bought a couple also. Yeah. So, yeah. so much like in the world of fruit trees, there's no such thing as a fruit a bare root fruit tree anymore. Yeah. They've all been potted up. Right. The same is true with the better nurseries. They're doing that with the roses that are coming in. They are potting them up as well. Correct. Yes. So there is no need to be buying them in those plastic bags. Correct. Yes. Um, Waste of money. Green Acres uh, gets their uh, roses for three from weeks, and then they pot them up in their. Um, uh, facility, and then they bring them to their um, to their locations. Okay, and they were re- very reasonable. They were like twenty bucks a piece, and they were fantastic roses. Mm-hmm. So you know, I bought a, a bunch of them. We have to take a break here. When we come back, for the first time in forty years, I do not have a rose bush in my house, or even outside my house. <laughs> where, oh. do you, where do you live? Yeah, I, I know that. No, I'm not going to. You might get a no, chip, no. You no. might get a we shipment have, of roses. Have, let it, let one me. Of those uh, altismo roses. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Know? Just hold on a second here. <laughs> we, just Ch- just Charlotte, hold on. Charlotte hold, uh, and I no, have to take a trip over no, there, and no. then um, I don't <laughs> have any sunlight, Baldo. <laughs> well, I don't have sunlight. We have a list of uh, roses that do very well in the shade. Sally well, Holmes. When we come back, we'll talk about that. <laughs> All right. It's get growing on Talk Six Fifty. KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Welcome back to the program. Fred here from the Sierra Foothills Rose Society. Baldo Villegas, Charlotte Owen Dyker here. We're talking roses. I'm still trying to find my first rose for my yard. I, I can't believe it's, it's. I've gone 40 years, always, always had a rose bush in the yard. And because we rehabbed the landscape last year and started from scratch, my first uh, inclination and first job accomplished was putting in California natives, drought-tolerant plants, basically to get the rebate from the state for ripping out the lawn, and a lot of raised beds in the backyard for vegetables. And sunlight is a premium. There are some spots there that may get four to five hours of sun, but that would be about it, and it's not necessarily true year-round. So I have to really pick my spots. And being a, a food kind of guy, I'm saving a lot of the sunlight spots for vegetables, be it cool season or warm season vegetables. But if I wanted one rose bush that could tolerate part shade, what would that be? Well, I can think of uh, several roses that can do that. And, uh, you know, again, the main thing that we ask people is uh, what colors you like. And uh, uh, for Places like this, I, I tend to send uh, uh, people to a, a couple, two or three roses, uh, such as um, Sally, uh, Holmes. Sally Holmes, we've, La- we've Lighter Rose. Oh, I love Al- the Lighter Rose. Yeah. Altissimo. Those are the three roses that I recommend for those places. We are. F- it takes a lot of sunlight to make a bloom that has a lot of petals. And each one of those roses that we mentioned are five to eight petals. The single roses can handle the shade. I remember a few years ago, uh, Lance Walheim, who has written several books about roses, did a survey of various California Rose Society asking for a list of favorite roses. And the rose that came out on top of his survey was Sally Holmes. Mm -hmm. And that's because, I guess, because I won't say it's bulletproof, but it looks nice and performs well. And uh, large clusters of flowers, and it's a continuous bloomer. And they're beautiful. They're white in the summer when you get more light. But as the weather cools down, they get this apricot, and the buds have an apricot blush to them, and it becomes more apricot It's a beautiful rose, but it's a larger flower. The, where the lighter rose is more, looks lo- more like a, a 
apple. All right. Awesome. Well, you said apricot, and we have, uh, let's go to the phones and answer some gardening questions. And Ray in Danville has an apricot question. Hi, Ray. Hey, Farmer Fred. Love the show. Me too. Um, I've got about four apricot trees, and I went to the web recently on when to prune them, and it's amazing. If you Google it, it's that first page, everybody has a different uh, comment, opinion on when to prune to prune it's either now or spring or early summer late summer so what do you say i say go back to google put in your question again about when to prune apricot trees but this time in the search include the letters uc as in university of california since we live in california and see what pops up on the first page and i would i would bet you dollars to donuts and i have a box of donuts in the next room so this bet is on that (laughs) in that first page the advice given will be do it in the summertime. Don't do it now. Okay. Okay. So they're already really tall, uh, you know, taller than I want them to be. And if I do wait to summertime, they're going to be another three or four feet up there, I'm guessing. Yeah, the problem is rain and cold weather. And because those wounds do not uh, heal very quickly, the apricot tree is more susceptible to uh, rain spread diseases that could be fatal to the apricot tree. So you're better off uh, doing any pruning in the summertime and doing it gradually and not all at okay. once. Got it. Okay, so summertime meaning they I've already harvested the fruit. Yeah, that'd be a good time to do it. Apricots usually June, July. So uh, the recommended time for pruning apricots in our area is generally August. Okay, okay, awesome. Okay, Farmer Fred, thank you. All right, Ray, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right. What, what is, Baldo, you've expanded beyond roses in your Orangevale acreage with billions have, of berry plants and fruit trees. I have 50 fruit trees. 50. Yeah, and I have about <laughs> 10 varieties of pomegranates. Why? I love fruit. But pomegranates are the hardest fruit to eat. Oh, I, Fred, I have to show you how to eat a pomegranate. How to break it open? Yeah, how yes. to open it doesn't take me more than thirty seconds, and I can op- I can open it up, and uh, and then you can enjoy it. Post it up a video of it on your Facebook. Page. I did. I, oh, I did posted you? two two videos, one uh, from a friend uh, 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 using a spoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've she, seen that one. Yeah, and then the other one, uh, 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 it was a uh, somewhere from the from the uh, China or Indonesia or something like that. Uh, and and uh, that's what I use. I want to see a video of you doing it. Um, I don't know if I have it, but uh, I'll I'll make sure that yeah, I, I'll make one. Yeah, yeah I'll make one. Yeah, I'll I'll repost it for you. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that that Baldo opening up a pomegranate in thirty seconds or 30 less. Thirty seconds or less. <laughs> All right. Just like he can prune a rose in under three minutes. Yes. Yes. And if you missed our rose pruning demonstration. It's on the KFBK Facebook video page, and you can watch that there. Now, if people want more pruning information, there's a lot of pruning clinics going on in the weekends ahead. Um, I know that uh, Stephen Scaniello is going to be out at the uh, Old City Cemetery next Saturday with two pruning sessions at 9 and 1 there at 10th and Broadway. But uh, the Sierra Foothills Row Society has uh, their big uh, winter workshop, which includes pruning demos next Saturday at the Maidu Community Center. Right. That's in Roseville off of Douglas and Rocky Ridge. 
And it's a, it's a fun activity. And we gear it to a lot of people who are, just have a few rosers or haven't, haven't, are curious about, you know, it's always good to have a refresher course. Mm-hmm. And uh, you forget little things because you haven't pruned basically in it for a year. So it's a good idea to refresh. And we show you the easiest, the simplest way to do it. And we, and we actually do, um, we go through the basics. We show you which tools to use, how to sharpen your tools. And then we have, we break up in groups and we have one table full of miniatures, one table of climbers. We show people how to cut these particular booms. We actually hand the pruners to someone and say, you do it, and we guide them through it. And uh, sometimes it's a group activity, and then people work on it. That's how you learn the best. You get to see it. And every rose bush is a little bit different, so you get to see the different challenges because it's not just one bush. We do more than one bush on these. Well, for instance, uh, Charlie in Brooklyn posted some pictures uh, uh, at the uh, Fred at Farmer Fred email site, and he uh, says, uh, you think I should prune these roses today? And Charlie's in Brooklyn, and I'll oh, show you the picture, yeah, and they're, no. buried, they're buried under snow. Charlie, do not prune your roses right now. Okay. <laughs> but he posted a picture of them back in August, and they are pretty much uh, one big stem is alive and the rest are ah, dead. dead, yes. Basically. So I guess the dead would be the first to go if you can see that, Paul. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Charlie, you uh, send me your address, and I will send somebody over there to show you... Uh, <laughs> How to prune the rose uh, really? at the right time? He'll he'll ask. You'll know that. Oh yes, and well, you're serious. I'm serious. Yeah, <laughs> I have contacts all over the country. I believe that. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> all right. So yeah, yeah, Charlie. That that picture of the rose uh, you sent, three quarters of it's dead. So I would basically cut out all the dead portions and just leave the live portions. That's always a good start. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, wait until <laughs> the ground thaws a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You'll wait till the rose starts growing. <laughs> if it isn't dead, in you your, know. To th- in your area, it. usually after uh, uh, March, uh, generally about in the middle of March. We have an interview coming up at 1130 with Stephen Scaniello, who wrote the book A Rose by Any Name. And I asked him, uh, when is the time of the year to, to prune roses back there? He lives in New Jersey. And he said, St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. So that that would be mid March, yeah. Yes, uh, I usually visit those Steve Scaniello at the Peggy Rockefeller, uh, which is where near where Charlie lives, and uh, Charlie always invites me to dinner over there. But <laughs> I haven't taken him up on it. All right, okay. But uh, next time I will take him up on it. All right. I was going through my list of recommendations. I most people know I write a garden column for the Lodi News Sentinel, and I usually include five weekly tips. And I need to update some of these tips. And one of the tips I've been giving, it says, are you looking for a rose bush with a seemingly never-ending bloom cycle? Look no further than Iceberg, a dependable white-flowered shrub rose. And that's true in and of itself. But what are some other varieties of roses that would fit that bill? Seemingly never-ending bloom cycle. Um, Mardi Gras, Cinco de Mayo, uh, Betty Boop. Playboy, Playgirl. Showbiz. Yep. Uh, Betty Boop. <laughs> yeah, we already, I already said that. I, I figured uh, thanks I, for reminding me. I'm writing as fast play as I girl, can here. Playboy. Yeah. You said that, but that's okay. So keep saying them. Playgirl. Um, let's see. Lava uh, Glute. Lava Glute. Uh, yes. All right. Um, hot Cocoa. Hot Cocoa. I okay. Hot Cocoa. Yes. Um, uh, how about uh, Rock and Roll, Dick Clark? There's a uh, Polyanta called The Fairy. 
That's a good one. How big does that get? Uh, it can large. it can go about three four feet. Oh, that's not bad at all. Yeah. The, the word polyanthus sort of is, is intimidating because it sounds like it it just sprawls all over the place. Any of the polyanthus would be fantastic. Mm, okay. And the, okay. they vary in size. So, you know, some of the polyanthus stay fairly small and others, like the fairy, get larger. Let's do that when we come back from this break. Let's, because there are some terms that people may not be familiar with when it comes to roses like polyanthus or floribunda and the hybrid tea. And mm-hmm. we can explain all those when we come back. We can try. All right. From the Sierra Foothills Rose Society, Charlotte Owendike, Baldo Villegas are here. And we're answering your gardening questions as well at 576-1578 in the 916, as well as 866-331-8255. Or you can send pictures of your snowbound roses to fred at farmerfred.com. It's Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Talking roses with Baldo Villegas and Charlotte Owendike from the Sierra Foothills Rose Society. Don't forget this show is available as a podcast. You can download it from KST. Well, you can't download it, but you can stream it from KSTE.com or the iHeartRadio app. You can download it from your favorite third-party podcast aggregators, such as iTunes, where you can find not only Get Growing, but also the KFBK Garden Show and the KSTE Farm Hour, which is coming your way today at noon. Isn't it, Mike? It is? Okay, good. And uh, is it available as a podcast? Oh, it is. Good. Yeah, all right. Good. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite shows, by the way. All right. Uh, let's talk roses here. You, we've been tossing around some terms that people not too familiar with roses may be wondering about and whether if this rose would be right for me. And I'm talking rose terms such as florabunda or grandiflora or hybrid tea or climbers or miniatures and old garden roses, David Austin roses, and all these terms that get thrown around and we don't know which one is best for us. So how how do you differentiate? Um, it, it, there are certain characteristics of roses like hybrid teas, uh, it's the look of the bloomed, essentially, pretty much. Um, they're swirled. They look like a florist rose. The bush is anywhere f- from three and a half to five to six feet tall. The hybrid tea. The hybrid tea is vase-shaped. But these are not long-stem roses, per se. They can be. Oh, they can be. They can be. Some some hybrid teas, um, you know, the, the people who determine what class it goes into are the hybridizers. And they do... The, a best job, but sometimes there's. We had some. We had a discussion yesterday with a bunch of rosarians. We things get moved around from one class to another mm-hmm. occasionally, not all that often, but they do. So you know, it's a it's a general rule of thumb. Let's put it that way. That's the best way to look. Hybrid tea is the classic rose shape that people look at when they see a florist rose, and sometimes you have one bloom per stem, like firefighter we mentioned, and others uh, have it. Sometimes we'll put out three or four blooms per stem, or occasional one. It varies. Then there's floribundas. They're shorter. They're rounder. They bloom in clusters. The, they have a uh, a stem, and it'll have two, three, five, ten blooms on that stem. Um, and that's a floribunda. Uh, uh, Grandiflora, then, is what? Uh, Grandiflora is kind of a combination. Between, uh, they decided to put that together with Queen Elizabeth's first Grandiflora because it was a tall rose, mm-hmm. and it was a kind of hybrid T-shape, but it bloomed in clusters, so they called it Grandiflora. 
So that's and so other rose bushes that kind of fall in that that kind of broad description have been added to that. So um, they don't have a tendency to bloom in singles. Um, then there's uh, miniatures um, that are generally um, two to three feet high, but there's some miniatures that are five feet tall. So, but they have smaller leaves and smaller blooms. Baldo, in your collection of three thousand roses, you have a lot of miniatures. And that's my. That's my. Yeah, those are my favorite roses. Miniatures and mini floras, which right. is a new category. Oh, don't do this to me! <laughs> <laughs> no, it's terrible. That's why I say it's a rule of thumb. Just go with the flow. In your miniatures collection, Baldo, do you have some in the ground and some in containers? Oh, yes. And the ones in containers, what size containers are they in? I usually start them in one-gallon one pots, but then I move them up to uh, two-gallon uh, two, uh, pots. And, uh, but, uh, my after friends, a year? Uh, uh, after a year, yes. Okay. But my friends that do grow a lot of miniatures in pots, uh, they move them to number seven pots. Number seven? Which are, uh, we call them squats. Right. Uh, they're like uh, uh, 12 inches high and then 18 inches wide. All right. So yeah. they're wider than they are tall. Correct. Unlike uh, a five, which is taller than it's wide. A, a five is about 12 inches by tall by about 10 inches wide yeah. or thereabouts. Yeah. So that's what they they grow them in, and they they grow them for many many years. So why the squat pots? Uh, because the uh, the roses, you know, the the roses, the roots tend to grow out. Okay. So they give them the most um, the most room for the roots the roots to expand. Do they hold more soil than a five? Um, no, okay. I don't think so. The, that's the another crazy thing that'll drive people nuts is when we start talking about these container sizes they don't mean a thing really they're just numbers now right they're, five does not mean it holds five gallons of soil no no <laughs> or a one gallon pot is doesn't hold <laughs> one gallon of soil no it's maybe a quart and a half <laughs> right <laughs> if that so it, it, it gets very confusing so think of these numbers as just numbers correct all right so the seven the squat pot then uh, for miniature roses would be the way to go yes and of course they need drainage Right. So most of the roses that I grow are in one-gallon pots and or two-gallon pots, and then from there I move them on to, um, uh, you know, one of those squat pots. All right. Now, Charlotte, what about shrub roses? I've been hearing a lot about shrub roses. Yeah, you f there's a lot of new shrub ro roses coming to the market. Austin, uh, English roses mm -hmm. are shrub roses. A lot of the newer roses are shrub roses. They are generally larger than a floribunda, a little bit bigger in stature. Um, they bloom in clusters also, like a floribunda, but they're just bigger. They're, they're, floribundas, I would say, are ra range about three feet by three feet or three and a half by three feet. A shrub roses are, you're looking at more four to five feet. That's almost hybrid tea territory. So why But is, they're wider. Oh, okay. At height yeah. and width are four to five feet. All right. Uh, some of the Austin roses, the, or the first introductions he had when they came to California, they were two to three feet in England. But when they got introduced here, they were eight-foot monsters, eight by eight. He's now slowly bred smaller sizes in them, and he will have some um, like Bossabelle or, or Munstead wood. They're smaller there, but they still are, let's say, three by three or three or four by four. Those are the s smaller sizes, but they're considered shrub roses. Are shrub roses evergreen? No. Okay. 
There are rows. They, they need to be pruned. We don't prune them as severely as some of the hybrid teas. We usually take a, a third to maybe a half off and off of them and because they have a little more finer um, cane structure. So we, we, we work with the, the what we let the rows kind of, we look at the, the, the uh, uh, shape of the rows and the structure of the rows, the canes, and we go, okay, it, it, a third, maybe a half off, and we cut out some of the older canes. And that's basically all what we do for those. Which of the rose varieties needs the least pruning? Actually, some of the easiest roses for me to prune are my hybrid teas <laughs> because they're they're vase-shaped. They're not as wide. They're not as bushy. Miniatures, I find, are more different because there's a lot of little bushes down there, and they're tiny. So those, I find, are the most t- – and climbers. They're the, miniatures and climbers are the ones that take me the longest time. Well, let's talk to the 60-second pruner over here, Baldo Viegas. Uh, is that true? The least, your... pr- the least pruning uh, would be the landscaping roses. Yeah. Landscape roses, yeah. like the carpet roses that like I hear about? Like the carpet roses. Uh, and I, what I, I do with those is I just take out the dead wood. Mm, okay. I just take out the dead wood or the, you know, the... And the, you could do that any time of the year. Yeah, you can do yeah. that any time. Uh, and I don't I do not do anything to them because most, you know, the carpet roses are disease-proof. I mean, they don't get any disease. Uh, the leaves are very glossy and they, lo- they always look beautiful. And uh, with those, I just kind of leave them alone. How big do the carpet roses get? Uh, they can go from uh, uh, generally about three feet uh, uh, high and they tend to spread, so uh, you know if you uh, if you peg them a little bit, you know the stems. You put them. You you uh, extend the stems to the sides and then peg them mm-hmm. to the ground, like with a wire. You know, like those wires they use for um, big bobby pins. Yeah, landscape like, pins. Yeah, landscape pins. Yeah. They root, and then you can spread the rose just like a carpet, and that's. Do you really want to do that? Well, in some cases, yes. It's not a, It's not walkable. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not walkable, but you can, uh, you know, if you have sturdy shoes, you can. <laughs> yeah. You can stamp on, on the roots. Okay, these on are the, also the called, stems. aren't these called ground cover roses as well? Yes. 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 That's exactly what yes. they are. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen, I've actually seen them in parks where they've done them and on a hillside. It's beautiful. Okay, that would make sense. That, that's not a bad idea for a hillside either. That's right. It gets full sun. Yeah. It was just, it was stunning. Ground cover roses. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. And what they do is that, uh, you know, in fact, Steve Scaniello uses that technique quite a bit. Um, they, he uses climbing roses. And then he just kind of tilts them in the in and a and pegs uh, them yeah. uh, on the, on the hillside. Oh, okay. And then they ca- become uh, so like a carpet rose. We have to take a break for news. When we come back, it's garden grappler time. Mike, are you ready for the garden grappler? Mike Murray's running the board today. He'll be jotting down all the pertinent information. We'll do that for hour number two of Get Growing right here on Talk Six Fifty KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. All right, it's Garden Grappler time. A chance for you to pick up a prize or two from the Farmer Fred prize closet. If you are up on your rose knowledge, and if you haven't had too many Bloody Marys this morning, you may recall that a few minutes ago we were talking on this very topic, red roses. And that's the Garden Grappler today. Name a variety of a red rose. All five callers get a prize, special bonus prize for caller five, because as you know in the Garden Grappler, you cannot repeat an earlier answer. Hmm. 
Got an idea? Mike Murray's in the control room. He's ready to write down names and addresses and all that good stuff. If you've got an answer, so give us a call, 576-1578 in the 916-576-1578. Or toll-free, if there is such a thing anymore, 866-331-8255. 866-331-8255. Your official judge and jury for today's competition from the Sierra Foothills Rose Society, Baldo Viegas, Charlotte Owendike, are here, and uh, they'll be judging the quality of your answer. So we're looking for a red rose, not a uh, um, well, we, apricot doesn't count. No. No. Okay. No. It, apricot has never been red. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just, just checking. You know. What, what about a red blend? A red, I think we can accept red blend okay. or red, red stripe roses, too. Okay. Fair enough. So well, now our goal for the next 15 minutes is not to mention a red rose variety here. So let's talk about something fairly generic in the way of roses. And uh, Linda posted on the Facebook page, and, and she was right. We were interrupted by the news when Baldo was answering exactly how do you plant a body bag rose? One of those roses that is wrapped in plastic that you might see at some of the not better nurseries uh, or garden centers or big box stores that are there this time of year, and they're, they're wrapped in plastic. The, the, there's wax on the stems. The roots have probably been cut in order to fit it in that tight-fitting plastic wrapper. How do you plant that, Baldo? Well, first of all, you need to get as much of that wax off as possible, okay, because otherwise the wax will fry those stems. And some people have tried some, uh, some warm water, to, you know, they dip those canes in, in warm water, mm-hmm. and then they, they try to do that. Just dipping? Just dipping them. But, uh, you know, make sure that you don't burn the or you don't cook the canes. Um, th- what I do is I just kind of go in there, and I, I use my uh, my fingernails, and I scrape the uh, the wax off, and that's what I try to do. And then I, I, I go ahead and plant the um, the rose in a pot. I, use, I usually use a five-gallon pot. And then I use uh, potting soil to do that. And then I put in the shade. I don't put in full sun because, I you know, again, the sun will cook those stems. So this is all uh, based on the fact you're buying these roses in, in December, January, or February. Right. You're then transplanting them into a five-gallon pot and then putting them in the shade. Well, I put them in, in filter, you know, East, uh, morning sun, morning sun. Af- okay. afternoon shade. Okay. Okay. And then I just leave them in there until they break dormancy, and I see new growth from the bud union or from the crown of the of the of the rose. And explain to the people again where the crown of a rose is. That's the base. That's the base. Or um, in uh, roses that you know, fr- roses that have been grown from cuttings uh, don't have a bud union. They just have a crown, mm-hmm. also like an enlarged area where the canes come out of. Uh, the beauty about those is that you don't have to work at, worry about suckers. Uh, uh, budded roses, we they have uh, in a large area um, above the roots, uh, maybe a couple inches above the roots, and uh, we call that the enlarged area the bud union. And uh, uh, anyway, so from the bud union, if you start seeing new growth, that's the growth that you want to keep. Okay. So anything that's coming from the crown or the bud union are your new canes, and that's the gold of your roses. You want to keep those new canes. How deep do you plant this? Um, I just, 
in this area, I plant them, um, you know, uh, an inch or two above the um, the ground. Okay, what's a, what's that? What do you see an inch or two above the ground? Is that the, the, uh, the sort of a discoloration mark? Well, in on budded roses, I I put them two inches above the, above the ground. In uh, roses that are grown from cuttings, you know, the in the enlarged area is right there, so you don't see a, a, a you know any type of stem above the um, above the roots. So those I kind of put them at ground level. Or, uh, you know, at uh, soil level. Okay, now, but explain for people exactly what you mean by ground level or soil level. The roots are in soil. The roots Cor- are in the soil. Okay. Yes. And, and then the, the crown is just slightly above okay. the, 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 uh, the, the soil. The crown the area soil is the portion that should be above the soil. Correct. Okay. All yeah. right. Uh, you never, ever in this area cover the bud union. Now, in the East Coast, you need to do that. Because, because of what Charlie has with his... Correct. Roses in Brooklyn covered in snow. Yes. If you put your roses above, you know, like you plant them in, in, like in California, they're going to freeze. Mm-hmm. And you're going to lose them. So you need to put the crown or the bud union uh, about two inches below the soil level. So that would be true for our friends further up the hill. Uh, Correct. In, in Say above the four thousand foot elevation, if you have roses, if, I guess you like feeding deer, but whatever. Um, yeah, bury those. All yes. right, but not here. Not here. All right. Do you need to prune the roots at all before you plant it? Uh, what I do is I just uh, prune those roots that are damaged or uh, diseased, uh, but uh, just just those that are, are broken. Okay, and to remove the broken yeah. roots. Mm-hmm. And then uh-huh. what I do is I usually soak the um, the plant, the whole plant, for 24 hours. Oh, beforehand? Yes. All right, so you take it out of its plastic wrapper. And then I just dunk it into into a five-gallon bucket, and I, I put it all the way in. Uh, so the stems and everything. It's covered with water. Covered yeah. the water because I want that rose to hydrate. Mm, uh, okay. When, um, when I pot the rose... Um, Generally, for the first month, I put a, a layer of uh, peat moss on top of the crown or the bud union, just so to keep that area moist. Mm, okay. okay, as a mulch, as a, so like a mulch. Yeah. And I cover the bud union for about a month. After about a month, uh, once the uh, roots uh, start uh, taking off, uh, new new roots are coming out of the uh, out of the roots. Then I just kind of wash that uh, the uh, peat moss off, and then uh, generally by that time you s- you start seeing new new buds coming out of the bud union, and then that's success. By soaking that plant for twenty four hours in a bucket of water, do you still then have to somehow get the wax off, or will that soaking for twenty four hours remove the wax? Well, I you know it's. Removing the gr- the wax is a process because you just you know it just takes forever, and that's why I you know if I have the choice I try I try not to buy uh, roses that have wax on. Uh, I only buy them as a last resort because I can't get that variety of rose anywhere else. All right, so okay. we I, I think we planted successfully planted a rose that uh, was tortured from the beginning. Yes. <laughs> right. That's exactly now, what it is. When do you plant them in their permanent home? You've had them in a five-gallon bucket. They're getting eastern uh, or a five-gallon container. And uh, you've had them on the east side of the house getting morning sun. Now you're starting to see them okay. send out new growth. 
I pat I pa- I put him in the in the ground after I see the first bloom cycle. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So okay. that might be May. That's, that's May. And that's when I plant them. That's May and June. Okay. That's when I put them in the ground. All that right. way, they you know they've got a nice root structure mm-hmm. growing. Because yeah. they won't put out the blooms till they've got enough roots to do so. Yeah. If you put if you plant them before then, a lot of the the soil kind of falls apart, and you end up with uh, bare roots. <laughs> so you you know by by May and June, you know you have a root ball, and then you can literally you know plant the whole thing in. Hmm. And that that's a good uh, clue too, yeah. and tip is that when you go to transplant that rose from the container to the ground, soak that plant first give it a good drink of water and that'll help the uh, soil hold together better yeah. than if it's dry mm-hmm. um the other thing that i you know the reason i wait so long is that i i look at the rose and make sure that that's the variety that i want it because oftentimes in, in oftentimes in this uh in this uh, cheap roses that you find <laughs> you don't buy the same variety it, they're often misidentified or mis- misnamed. Oh. misnamed. That's a good reason for not planting it till after the first bloom cycle to yep. make sure that hey, you bought a red rose, make sure it's a red rose. Right. Yeah. And then you look it at it and just say, and "I'm going. Uh, yeah. That's not the what I wanted." <laughs> uh, there was a rose called Beverly. I bought it twice, and I got the <laughs> wrong variety twice. Twice that, in two years. That sounds like my experience buying pepper seeds. <laughs> yeah, I, yep. get the, I get the same problem. All right. I tell you what, we'll take a short break. When we come back, we have, we have many people lined up with answers to the question, name a variety of a red rose. Garden Grappler answers coming up as we continue with Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. All right, let's get to your garden grappler answers for the question, name a variety of a red rose from the Sierra Foothills Rose Society, Baldo Viegas, Charlotte Owendiker here to judge the high quality of your answers to see if you get a prize or not. First up, or in Orangevale, it's Monica. Hi, Monica. Hey, hi. <laughs> Just, I heard a bunch of roses mentioned, so I'll give you rock and roll. Yeah. Perfect. That oh. were, that's a winner. And that is, is that a, a hybrid tea or a floribunder or grandiflora? What is it? Grandiflora, if I remember correctly. Yes. All yes. right. So it's a grandiflora. One Good. of my favorites. It's a very disease-resistant rose, and it, and it do, does well in this area. It's Rock very, and roll. Very well. Good does answer. Ver, does very well in Orangevale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. great. Thanks. All right. <laughs> hey, Monica, I'm going to be sending you from, what do we have for everybody today, Fred? Oh, from the Farmer Fred collection of fine pieces of paper, Pruning Roses California Style, plus Baldo's list of the 100-plus best roses for our area. So I'll be sending Ooh. you that way. Good. All right, Monica, thanks for calling. And maybe someday Baldo will update that list. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the one on the web page is dated 2009. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, well. <laughs> uh, you know what? Monday's a good day to do that. Monday's a good day to do that. Monday, it will be uh, updated. We have a, a tennis professional on the line. It's caller two. It's Ted in Granite Bay. Hi, uh-huh. Ted. Good morning, everybody. Hi, yes. Ted. We've met Ted. A tennis, pro- a tennis professional? Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, your uh, your TV, uh, or not TV, but uh, computer people now. Oh, that don't was, go that, there. That was good. Okay, thanks, Ted. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay. a radio guy. I'm, I'm much more pretty on the radio. 
All yeah. right. I, I noticed I have. Yeah, I know. Hey, thank you. <laughs> my answer, I have a question about it. I have fire firefighter, and I bought that about five years ago when I heard Baldo talk about it. But I want to make cuttings. And I would like to know your suggestion on making cuttings from that. Well, first of all, let's find out if firefighters a good answer or not. Well, yes, it's a good answer, but uh, please don't uh, don't uh, discuss this on the air about cuttings because you're not supposed to be taking cuttings of oh uh, of, oh. Uh, of uh, 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 patented patent roses. roses. Yeah. Okay, but if you were Can going I? to but if you were going to take a cutting of somebody something else. Of a non-patented rose. Of a non-patented rose. Yes, that's uh, good. Uh, it'll be a non-patented. Okay, yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, what I do is I go from the, uh, I, I make sure that it was, uh, it had a bloom at one time, and then I go off, you know, maybe six inches down, and then uh, right uh, right after a, you see a bud, I, I cut, I, I cut uh, right below a bud at a slant, okay? Because okay. the... Um, the roses will will root best uh, where there was a bud in the uh, a bud. So make sh- uh, what I do is I just cut a cut at a slant below a bud. Do you scrape that one inch part the the it's the not nec- of it around all the way? It's not necessary, but uh, okay. you know a lot of people do. Um, okay, but I I don't scrape. Okay. And I, I get uh, probably 80% uh, take in my cuttings if I take them at this time of the year. This time of year. Is this the best time of year? Yes. It yes. is. January is the best time. Really? Okay. It's the easiest time, and you're out there pruning anyway. Yeah. Yes. And then what I do is I put uh, I put my cuttings right around the uh, the uh, base of the plant. That way I don't have to write a label. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Ted, congratulations. Firefighter's okay, a good man. answer. I'll, I'll put some paper I, in an I, envelope and throw it under your fence. Okay, I want to ask: Do you leave those out to heal out in the air before you put them in? I'm gonna, I'm gonna heal them in the ground. But do you leave them out exposed for a day or two days? Uh, uh, what I do is when I prune my roses is when I take the cuttings and I put them around the ro- the mother plant right away. And then yeah, right away. Right away. Yes, and then okay. um, and then uh, I don't uh, do anything. I don't disturb them until May or June. Well, wait a minute. Okay. Now, they're, but they're not exposed, are they? The cuttings. Yeah, they're exposed to the air. I mean, okay, they're, they're, yeah. but, but I put but not the not the cut at the base that he puts in the ground. Yeah, okay, the what cut I, in yeah. the base is in the ground. What I the yeah. general rule is uh, you you take at least a you know four buds. Make sure that there's at least four buds in the cutting, and then okay. the general rule is you put two buds into in in the soil and two buds uh, uh, up in the you know in the air. I'm confused. So that that's about six inches or eight inches. Uh, uh I would say uh, about six inches. Uh, six inches. Yeah. And then uh, okay. you make sure that you have at least four buds, uh, two buds going to the soil, two buds outside the soil. Okay, that's a lot of help. Thank now, you. Now I'm confused. Now, are you talking about taking the cuttings and actually plunging them in the soil next to the plant yes. you just yes. pruned? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. That's the, hey. that's the lazy means of uh, doing cutting. When do you dig them up then? Yeah. In, uh, you dig them up in May or June. After they bloom. Oh. After they root it. Wow. You just yeah. shortened yeah. everything you explained a half hour ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you, Ted. All right. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Bye. Caller number three in today's Garden Grappler, it's Lynn. She's either in Carmichael or in her car. I'm not sure which. 
I'm in Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> and I was in my car when I called. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, okay. okay. All right. All right. All right. Going from Carmichael to Sacramento. Yes. Something like that. Um, how about Mr. Lincoln? That's a red rose. Yes, that's a that's a uh, old, old. That's an oldie. Oh, that's oldie, an oldie. But Baldo's yes. going to get snooty on us. We, we, <laughs> neither one of us grow that anymore. It's a it's a delightful fragrance, mm. but there's a lot of a firefighter is a much better rose. Oh, okay. Oh, I loved it. I grew it in Bakersfield. It went crazy. They were huge. It was just a beautiful, a big tree rose. It was gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. it's it's very tall. That's why they call it Mr. Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> in the, in Bakersfield, it would have been great. Because, yeah. uh, you know, as long as you don't have, you know... Uh, drier of, climate. Yeah, it's a drier climate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they went, it went crazy. Yes. Yeah. And we, we grew it We grew it with... We had a barber bush in the in the garden, too. So we had several politicians there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, good answer there, Lynn. I'll be sending you the uh, uh, Farmer Fred Guide to Pruning Roses California Style and Baldo's 100-plus best roses for our area. So that'll be coming Thank your you. way. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. You know, I was looking at roses. I was looking at a list for red roses, and I thought, well, I bet Nancy Reagan is a red rose because she always wore red. No. And it's not a red rose. No, So did not. they do that deliberately to tick her off? <laughs> I don't know. Some some people, when they, uh, they, when they have a rose named after them, they have to look at the rose, yeah. like Legends uh, or Julia Child. Or they Oprah asked, Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey. Yes. Yeah, they, they selected the yeah, rose. Right. Generally, so, the hybridizer gets in contact with the person that's going to be honored. Yeah. And then they give him a choice of roses. So this Nancy Reagan thing, was it after she died well, that uh, No, it was before out? she died. So yeah. they did it just to tick her yeah. off then. No, 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 no. No, she, she liked pro- that color. She, probably, she did. Yeah, she probably selected that rose. Even though it's not a red rose. Correct. All right. It's, yeah. a, no, um, the, uh, it's an apricot, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, to coral. I think, coral. Um, a- I think uh, uh, was it a... Um, a, a Kitsari rose, probably. Uh, uh, Jackson Perkins, probably. I think, I think it was. Yeah. yeah it so was. you know, most most likely, uh, Jackson Perkins got the permission from uh, Nancy Reagan, and then she, uh, you know, they sent her, you know, some pictures or at least some bushes, and she selected that rose. But uh, generally, they give them the choice hmm. of roses. Okay. Call the number four in today's Garden Grappler to name a red rose. Up to Calusa we go. Bernice in Calusa, how are you? I'm fine. I'm. Um, I was excited when I heard this. Uh, Altissima. Oh yes, we hey, love my favorite rose. Beautiful Chinese red rose that's yeah. about five petals. It's uh, it's considered a climber, but uh, it it's very stiff canes. And it blooms all the time. It's good cut flower too. It's, and it's a red rose. It's a definite. It's Chinese red. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. You know, Baldo, I, I could swear uh, this uh, is the third uh, time today you've said that's my favorite rose. Oh, it's, I have <laughs> like very, twen- I have yeah. like twenty of those roses in my garden yes. because I love it. Twenty altissima. I uh, twenty. Ooh. I've got two, <laughs> <laughs> and I give it to everybody I I meet. Oh. Well, I want to- then I want to meet you because um, <laughs> it's a rose that one of our uh, rosarians from Chico uses a lot in floral design at the Bidwell Design Guild. Yeah, yeah, it's a great if the the uh, florist who anyone who does any rose arrangements, it's a wonderful rose because it holds really long. It lasts a long time after it's cut, and um, 
Um, we are, Baldwin, I think we're going to have uh, Altismo at the Saturday thing and for the demonstration to learn how to climb. Every table will have an Altissimo to, to learn prune. how to and that would be at the Maidu Community Center this Correct. Saturday in Roseville, where the Sierra Foothills Rose Society is having their winter rose workshop, including a pruning workshop, 8.30 to 1.30, and it's free. And if you come over, you might win an Altissimo in the right. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll have to. And what are the times from <laughs> what time to what time? 8.30 to 1.30 at the Maidu Community Center, which is at 1550 Maidu Drive in Roseville off Rocky Ridge, south of Douglas. Okay. Well, I have to go to a card party at 11.30, so maybe I can get there and back in time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All isn't right. That, isn't that too far away? I have a question, though. I have a question. Heirloom Nursery, my understanding, Heirloom Nursery, and I have a few of their roses, they they do not bud their roses, but they're on their own rootstock. Correct. Does this make the roses strong? Like if we make cuttings of a rose and it roots, and it's on its own rootstock, not budded on a wild rootstock or some other strong rootstock, does it make it as, as strong a rose? Uh, personally, I prefer uh, own root roses because uh, they're um, in, if they can grow on, on their own roots, they will take off. And okay. Yeah, I prefer uh, own root roses personally. Okay. Yeah. Bernice, Thank you very much. Bernice, thanks for calling, and I'll be sending you uh, that information on roses. So thanks for playing. Appreciate it. All right. So much. Altissimo, one of Baldo's favorite roses, along with two others he mentioned. <laughs> today. All right. Caller number five in today's Garden Grappler, Mike in Sacramento. Mike, if you can come up with a red rose that isn't rock and roll, firefighter, Mr. Lincoln, or Altissimo, I have for you a wonderful gardening guide and calendar. And since you're in Sacramento, it would be from the Sacramento County Master Gardeners. A beautiful wall calendar. So, uh, Mike, go ahead. Give us a red rose. Independence. Ugh. Ladies and gentlemen, what is that? Independence. Oh. Ah, That's the first rose I grew as a kid in a garden club back in Michigan that won me a trophy. So Floribunda. Yeah, there's the Independence, yep. It says in this little Well, Independence 76. It's a red rose. It's an orange red. Yeah. Well, that's the climber version. There's several. There's Independence Day. So are you going to accept it or not? Okay, all right, good. There's the... Yeah, it, was it a, a it was a floribunda? You say? Yeah. Yeah, it was the floribunda. Yeah, it, it was uh, hybridized in 1974 by Roy Byram. Really? Yeah. I I won the trophy. Uh, it was uh, the full name of it is Independence 76. I was like 13, okay. so yeah. See, I uh, I have uh, I have a, my little book here. And it says Independence is uh, Floribanda orange red, thirty five petals, nineteen fifty one. Oh, that's a. And it had a rating of six point eight. Yeah. Well, just because it's bad doesn't mean it's not red. Yeah. How old are you? <laughs> uh, sixty two. Oh, sixty two. Yes. I bet you you had that one. Oh, that one. Yeah. 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 There, because yeah. there's several that are called Independence. Yes. I inherited it from the house we moved into. Had a complete rose garden, so I yeah. had to learn how to do it. Yeah. Well, Either way, Mike, I'll be sending you from the Sacramento County Master Gardeners their 2018 gardening guide and calendar. 
Well, thank you very much. Happy New Year, by the way, everyone. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for calling in. Thank you, Mike. And thank you, Baldo Viegas and Charlotte Owendike, for Mm. dropping by the old radio place and talking roses. Our pleasure. We always have fun. And again, the Sierra Foothills Rose Society Pruning and Rose Winter Care Workshop next Saturday at the uh, Maidu Community Center in Roseville off Rocky Ridge, south of Douglas, uh, 830 to 130. And it's free. Yes. All right. And chili cook-off. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Chili cook-off. Can't we'll, forget that. We'll have a few roses to give away. So come on over. You'll, you'll be given a little ticket when you come in, and uh, we'll raffle some of those, pic- some of those um, uh, roses. Any Sally Holmes there? Yes. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, <laughs> when, we, when, when we come back. I'm uh, trying out a new chili recipe. <laughs> <a> conversation <laughs> with Stephen Scaniello, author of A Rose by Any Name. That's coming up next right here on Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. You're listening to Get Growing with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. It's January, it's rose pruning time, but do you know how to prune an established old rose? Well, we have an expert to tell you how. He's Stephen Scaniello, a great rosarian of the world, president of the Heritage Rose Foundation, and curator of the Peggy Rockefeller Rose Garden at the New York Botanical Garden. And uh, Stephen's been pruning roses for quite a while, and Stephen, it's a pleasure to be talking with you. And let's talk a little bit about the the Heritage Rose Foundation. What's that all about? Well, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for inviting me. And the uh, the Heritage Rose Foundation was created back, I think, in 1986 by a small group of people from all over the country, including several from California, to create a, a group that was focused on preserving uh, old garden roses that were in danger of becoming um, extinct uh, as uh, you know, as people were tearing up old farms and old gardens and building new houses, we saw roses disappearing. So a bunch of us got together in North Carolina and started the Herod Rose Foundation. And we're still a relatively small group compared to other rose societies, but we're very active in a quiet way, working to, to preserve roses and educate people about the importance of these roses. And there are no shortage of uh, heritage roses out here in California. Some of them are in people's yards, and some of those roses need some uh, tender, loving care. Although it is California, and uh, Mm -hmm. I think roses are one of the most forgiving plants we own out here. If you ask Mm -hmm. 100 rosarians uh, how to prune a rose, you might get 100 different answers, and and yet the rose will come through with with flying colors. But Mm -hmm. one of your areas of expertise is pruning established, mature roses, more like rehabilitating than if you come across an old rose. So let's talk a little bit about that. What, what exactly do you mean by a, a mature plant? Well, when you, a plant that is overwhelming a structure or overwhelming a house. Um, it's gotten too big for the garden, and it's time to open the plant up. And now in California, it's a bit misleading for someone from the East Coast. I come out to your gardens and I see these huge rose bushes that look like they're, you know, hundreds of years old, but they're not. Uh, where in the East Coast, our plants are much smaller. But regardless of their age, when they get so densely packed with growth, it's time to open the plants up and give them a chance to grow fresh from older wood. And that's what we're going to be focusing on in the cemetery. And we'll talk about that uh, coming up in a few minutes. The um, 
pruning a rose, though, uh, as I said, uh, you could get a myriad of opinions on how to do it. Uh, how do you like to approach pruning an overgrown rose? Uh, well, I've learned over the years to kind of ignore other people's advice and just do what I th- just follow my instincts. And at first, I was very timid when I was pruning my roses. I started, oh gosh, back in eight, 1983 at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden. And I had no choice there but to prune them very, very hard close to the ground because the soil was bad shape and the roses were dying over the winter. So I was always amazed at how quickly they grew back from six inch or even three inch high plants that were left after I was pruning. Now, when I come to California or if I go down south and prune where the roses are very, you know, large, I I look more at um, the situation the rose is in and and try to make it fit the garden that it was originally planted in. Um, And that's the case in the cemetery. We see some roses are getting too big for the site. So we go in there and I work on the oldest parts of the plant first. I start with the oldest wood and we move old wood to make room for the newer, younger shoots. And that's basically the whole gist of my, my pruning. Take out the old save the new. Now, you mentioned that back east where you are in New Jersey, it's not uncommon to prune an overgrown rose down to maybe six inches tall and probably cover it with hay or mulch or something to get it through the winter. Whereas here in California, where we don't have snow in a lot of the areas, we don't have much in the way of freezing temperatures. When it comes to pruning, we tend to prune our roses a bit higher in January, perhaps knee high. Yeah, well, it also depends, too, on the kind of rose that it is. And as we're speaking, I'm looking out my apartment window, and I can't see across the street because we're in the middle of a big um, blizzard or bomb blizzard, bomb cyclone. And all of my roses are now very buried under at least a foot of snow, it looks like. And um, But um, some roses need to be kept large. And, and so what what one should do is find out, what kind of a rose it is? Is it a climbing rose? Is it a bushy rose? And if you're not sure, maybe don't prune it so much the first year and let it let it tell you what it wants to do. Because if it's a climber, you want to keep the tall, long branches if you can support them on something. Um, and if it's a bushy rose, then you want to cut it back to a height that is manageable for your garden. It really, it really comes down to the site that the rose is located in. What are some of your favorite websites or favorite books for uh, beginning rosarians? Well, uh, I, not to do a shameless plug, but I wrote a book called A Year of Roses, which is a book that I wrote um, that follows the rose garden month by month. And I wrote it because I couldn't make sense of all the books that were out there. And there were so many contradictions and, and theories and opinions that I just sat down and wrote what I do, or what I was doing at the time in Brooklyn Botanic Garden. And it's applicable to wherever you are in the country because you just shift the timing to whenever your pruning time is. And the pruning time for you guys is is really now um, during during January, February. Uh, for us, we don't do any autumn pruning. Um, we wait till in the New York City area. We wait, we wait until St. Patty's Day, basically, um, for pruning our bush type roses. During the winter, if it's not snowing and I can stand to be outside in the temperatures, I will prune many of the old garden roses, the European old garden roses, which are more cold-hardy, such as the galagas and damasks. And I'll also prune my climbers during the winter because they can tolerate being cut 
and they won't break dormancy like a hybrid tea might um, or a floribunda. So it depends on the type of rose and where it is in your garden, how you're using it, and um, you know the time of year. Now, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you have several rose books, and one of them is called A Rose by Any Name. That's right. That's my most current book, and it's a book that has nothing to do with diseases or pruning. Just a lot of fun. It tells you all about the stories. It tells you stories all about the roses and um, why certain names were put on roses and perhaps what was happening in the world when that rose was introduced that caused it to have a name that it has. There's a lot of stories about California roses in there. There's a lot of you know fun facts. Um, it, it makes for good cocktail party conversation, I think. And I'll be bringing that with me when I come out to Sacramento this next week. Yeah, let's talk about uh, you, you have a rather extensive tour coming up of, of the various rose societies, uh, the 9th uh, through the 13th. And uh, let, let, let's do it in chronological order. You're going to be out here on Tuesday, the 9th with uh, two presentations. Yeah, yeah. I actually land on Monday and I'll, I'll, I'll drive up from Oakland to do a lecture for the Mother Load Rose Society. And that's in the early afternoon. And then I will be doing a lecture for the Gold Country Rose Society that evening. And then um, on the next day, I drive down to Dublin and I will be lecturing for my friends at the Mount of the Mount Diablo Rose Society. And I come back to Sacramento on Thursday where I'm lecturing at the Sutter Club. And that evening, I'll be lecturing for the Sacramento Rose Society. Okay, Thursday evening, you'll be at the Shepherd Garden Arts Center at their meeting. And, of course, the public is welcome to attend those uh, 7 p.m. meetings. Yeah, they're actually invited to attend all the lectures, I think. Probably not the Sutter Club. Probably not the Sutter Club. (laughs) (laughs) But um, all the others are open to the public. And um, I've promised to not repeat myself too much. I have actually, I'm coming with three different talks. So there's, you know, there's always that fear that I'm going to have the same face in every audience and they're going to hear the same stuff all over again. So I have to make it, you know, as, as fresh as possible each time. And then I'm doing, um, I'm doing a, uh, pruning workshop at the Woodland Library on Friday morning. And again, with the Sutter Club in the afternoon on Friday. And then I end my, my whirlwind tour of Northern California at the Historic Rose Garden in the, in the uh, historic city cemetery. That'll be Saturday, January 13th. You have two uh, uh, classes, one at 9 o'clock on pruning climbing roses and one at 1 o'clock showing techniques for pruning and rehabilitating mature plants. And again, that'll be at the Old City Cemetery at 10th and Broadway in Sacramento. And uh, they're asking for a $10 donation, and it's for a very a couple of very worthwhile causes. One will help in the expenses mm-hmm. with the Historic Rose Garden, and some of the mm-hmm. funds will go to the Heritage Rose Foundation. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it, you know, it, if people aren't familiar with that cemetery rose garden, it is probably, in my opinion, now I've seen almost every rose garden in the world, and I, it's one of my favorite rose gardens to come to. It is one of the most important collections of Heritage Roses established uh, of recent time, and it, it's, it deserves to be to be seen, and 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 it's a great um, classroom and a beautiful beautiful place. Exactly. If you want to learn about pruning, head out to the Old City Cemetery next Saturday, January thirteenth. Tenth and Broadway is where it's at now. A lot of the roses aren't 
obviously putting on much of a show in January, but definitely come back to the Old City Cemetery in uh, late April or May and see it in its full splendor. It is truly amazing. Well, we're looking forward to seeing Stephen Scaniello uh, throughout uh, our area in the upcoming week. Stephen Scaniello, rose expert. He is one of the great rosarians of the world, president of the historic uh, Heritage Rose Foundation and curator of the Peggy Rockefeller Rose Garden at the New York Botanical Garden. Thanks for a few minutes of your time today. You're very welcome. Thank you for, for allowing me to, to, to chat. Thanks. You're listening to Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. Out Grove Auto Mall. We're number one. Number one, baby. Number one in Elk Grove, Highway 99 at Elk Grove Boulevard. It's happening at Elk Grove Toyota. New, well, now. Toyota's lowest interest rate in history. Customer cash on 21 models. Special leases on 22 models. Elk Grove Toyota. Nowhere else but here. Highway 99 at Elk Grove Boulevard in the Elk Grove Auto Mall. As a marketer, you want to reach everyone, adults, teens, millennials. But it's not like these groups all hang out in the same place, right? Actually, wrong. They're all right here listening to radio commercials just like this one. Radio ads connect with 93% of Americans every week. That's more than Google, more than Facebook, more than TV. In fact, radio reaches 20% more millennials than TV. Want more of the people you want to talk to all in one place? You want to get to iHeartMedia.com and get AMFM working for you. The results are in. A survey of Inc. 5000 companies shows the top barriers to growth. It's taking finance too long to close the books. So slow to launch new products. We need to hire good people and keep them. Too many disconnected systems. I can't see what's happening in my business. Sounds like they've outgrown their business and financial management systems. QuickBooks and spreadsheets worked fine at the start, but now it takes twice the effort to get things done, and you can't get accurate answers. You should know the number one system for growing companies, NetSuite from Oracle. NetSuite is the one system that tracks and manages revenue, cash flow, HR, inventory, projects, even e-commerce for every industry. Now you can run your business from a dashboard on your phone. That's why thousands of companies use NetSuite. It's the only system you need to run your business. Go to netsuite.com radio to get your free guide called Crushing the Five Barriers to Growth. That's netsuite.com radio. Get Growing continues with Farmer Fred. Talk 650 KSTE. Here again, Fred Hoffman. Did I happen to mention that the KSTE Farm Hour is coming up at 12 noon on this very radio station? Oh, yes, it is. And on uh, the show, we're going to talk about uh, some of the expenses that have been incurred already from the Thomas Fire down in Southern California. It's uh, reached uh, over $170 million. So we're going to be talking about that. And it's a a case of uh, weather, water, and natural disasters that uh, are at the top of the hill for California farmers in their worries this past week. Sierra snow measurements occurred last Wednesday. We have a report on what they found or what they didn't find. And the freezing weather back east has going to have is going to have a big effect on commodity prices, and that'll be for California's farmers as well. So we're going to talk about that. And uh, a lot more, and that's coming up on the KSTE Farm Hour, noon to one, right here on this very radio station, KSTE.com, also available as a podcast. Uh, next week's show, we're going to be talking with uh, Quentin Young from uh, Fair Oaks Boulevard Nursery. He's going to offer us some pruning tips 
on all the plants we didn't talk about today. We were talking roses today. We're going to be talking about fruit trees, um, shade trees, shrubs, and other plants that could benefit from a, from a winter pruning when we talk with Quentin next week on this uh, very radio program. So that's all coming up in the, the days ahead. All right. We were talking about uh, rose pruning events happening in the near future, and we've been concentrating on what's happening at the Old City Cemetery next Saturday, as well as uh, the Sierra Foothills event. There are a lot of rose pruning events happening over the next few weeks, especially next Saturday. So besides the two we just mentioned, some others that are going on include a public rose pruning seminar going on in Woodland at the Woodland Public Library at 251st Street. That'll be from 9.30 to 11.30 next Saturday. And then over in Napa, the Master Gardeners over in Napa County have a rose pruning session going on from 10 a.m. to noon at the Cooperative Extension Meeting Room at 1710 Soskal Avenue in Napa. And in the weeks ahead, you're going to find more rose pruning clinics all over the place. For instance, at the Fair Oaks Horticulture Center on Saturday January 20th, they're going to have a pruning demo of fruit trees and vines going on there. And also on the 20th at most of the Green Acres nursery locations, they're going to be having pruning demonstrations as well. So if you're into winter pruning, got some things that need winter pruning, and and you're not sure how, you might want to attend one of these pruning clinics that's coming up. The Green Gardener at Home series kicks off in Roseville, a 10-week series, Starting on January 16th, it's for homeowners and gardeners. It'll cover sustainable gardening practices, how to improve soil health, select plants appropriate for our climate, design and maintain your landscape, and a lot more. It's every Tuesday evening from January 16th through March 20th, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., and it's held at the Roseville Utility Exploration Center, which is at 1501 Pleasant Grove Boulevard. And you can call them for more information or to register 916 716- Seven four six fifteen fifty, and there is a fee involved. I believe it's fifty five dollars for Roseville residents, sixty five dollars for non residents. You heard during the Garden Grappler, we gave away a Sacramento County Master Gardener Gardening Guide and Calendar. They are still available, so if you have that twenty seventeen calendar still hanging on the wall, it's time to take it down and put up something for the new year. And you can find the Gardening Guide and Calendar at just about any good nursery in Sacramento County. Uh, You will find it at uh, all the Green Acres stores that are in Sacramento County. That would include Elk Grove, Folsom, and Sacramento. The Plant Foundry at 3500 Broadway. Tolini's Nursery on Folsom Boulevard here in Sacramento. Amy Hardware at El Camino and Watt. The Alberta Feed Pet and Tax Store on Rio Boulevard. Uh, Did I mention East Sacramento Hardware? Yes, that too. And... For our friends in the foothills, the Placer County Master Gardeners have an excellent gardening guide and calendar available, too. And you can find that at uh, the Cooperative Extension offices in Placer or El Dorado County, as well at at many nurseries throughout Placer, Nevada, El Dorado counties, including uh, the two Green Acres stores in Placer County. That would be in Rockland and Roseville, uh, Flower Farm Nursery in Loomis, High Hand Nursery in Loomis, Oto Orchard in Granite Bay. Uh, who else? Isley's Nursery in Auburn, uh, Peaceful Valley Farm Supply up in Grass Valley, and uh, many other nurseries. So check with your local nursery. Oh, El Dorado Nursery in Shingle Springs has them as well. These are 
both the Sacramento County Master Gardener Gardening Guide and Calendar and the Placer County Master Gardener Gardening Guide and Calendar are suitable to hang on a wall. Great gardening information for your locale with specific information about what to do and when to do it. And big squares, too, so you can write information down and use it as a wall calendar, as most of us do, to put down important dates or reminders and dental appointments and all that good stuff. So um, go out and get yourself a Master Gardener Gardening Guide and Calendar available at a nursery near you or a cooperative extension office. And they're priced around $10, a very reasonable price, with great gardening information that you can use year in and year out. So actually it's the calendar that, that never ceases to educate and enthrall. All right, what else is going on? I mentioned <laughs> that about the uh, gardening guide and calendar. There's a lot of good calendars out there. One of my favorites is from Davy Tree Company, and they have like a tree of the month, and it's a it's a huge wall calendar with usually a historic tree or some sort of very notable tree that uh, is featured each month. And if you like trees, uh, I guess you stop a Davy Tree Company truck and ask where you can find it or go online, and uh, you can find it that way as well. All right. Is it time for me to get on out of here? Just about. Don't forget, a podcast is available of this program. It will be available soon after the end of this program. Is that right, Mike? Yes, it is. Mike Murray is running the board today, and he he assures me that uh, this program, Get Growing, and all its great gardening advice today from Baldo and Charlotte will be available at... uh, KSTE.com, the iHeartRadio app, and available as a download from your favorite third-party podcast aggregators, such as iTunes. The same is true with the KSTE Farm Hour, which has been posted. And not to mention the KFBK Garden Show, which is available at KFBK.com or the iHeartRadio app, and uh, also your third-party podcast aggregator. So we've covered everybody today, analog and digital. Thank you for your support. I appreciate it. Uh, without you, there would be no garden shows, but we'll do it again next week. So have yourself a great week, and uh, tune in next Sunday at 10 o'clock for the next edition of Get Growing on Talk 650 KSTE. KSTE.